we are starting a series in the Sermon on the Mount. Last week I came to you and I got to read you a devotional on Matthew 5, uh, 1 to 16, which is the first part of the Sermon on the Mount and serves as a real preface to the, to the sermon that Jesus preaches, that famous sermon that kind of just has so much of who Jesus is and what he, what he taught in it for us to look at and to reflect upon. So today I'm, I'm, I'm going to actually go back formally and, and let's go over Matthew 5, 1 to 12, looking at these sayings of Jesus without rushing by too quickly. Um, and I just wanted to share a few, a few of the thoughts I've had this week, uh, even, follow, even since uh, we met last week and talked. Uh, the, the proclamations in Matthew chapter 5 are, 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 Blessed are, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's prefaced with this, these sayings of, of blessedness. And because of who Jesus is, being God, the image of the invisible God, um, Jesus is, is making declarations that these are the people who are blessed. So it really, how you feel about these things, um, what emotions come forward, what thoughts come forward, you know, are, are one thing. But Jesus is saying, you're blessed if this characterizes you. Um, so whether, you, whether or not this morning you feel blessed or not, if you carry these characteristics, you know, Jesus says you are blessed. And I think that is a good authority. And I think that's something we can take heart in. Um, because some of these things, as, as we'll read and look, and if you're familiar with this, you know this, they, they are they're things that don't make sense from a worldly point of view. In other words, the world's value systems that we live in, in general, people would not say these are, are blessings. Uh, but for a Christian, for a follower of God, for someone who is following Jesus and trying to live by Jesus' spirit, these are the, the marks of blessedness. This is the truth. Um, you, in the translation, is happy are. Happy, blessed, you know, highly favored are you if these things characterize you. And I think that we'll see a little bit about why, uh, why that is as we look into this with our spiritual lenses on. These things are really encouraging to me because, you know, I, I think one of the things you can sum up these Beatitudes with, these, these blessed R's with, is if these things characterize you, then you are living a congruent life. Meaning, the things that you think about God, that's called your theology, the things that you think about other people privately, the things that, that you say about other people behind their back, or groups of people behind their back, um, the, the, the things that in your innermost heart characterize who you are as a person are all lined up. And so part of, part of the blessing of, of the Beatitudes in this part of the Sermon on the Mount is what they're, what they're saying is you line up. You line up in your thoughts about God. Your thoughts about God line up with how you treat people and how you talk about people and groups of people when they're not looking behind their back. Your, your thoughts about God, your theology lines up with your action. So you don't just say, you know, I love Jesus. I'm glad to receive Jesus' mercy. But you are someone who then gives love and mercy to those around you. So I think, in a way, the, these sayings of Jesus, they're saying happy, blessed. It's just a blessed thing to know that you are saying, believing, and doing 
the things that you should be doing regardless of how it might feel. You are blessed. What you say lines up with, with, with the truth about who God is and what, what, you t- what you say about other people, how you treat others, how you think about other people lines up with the mercy of the one who called you. So these are things uh, that I think about as we go into these Beatitudes. Because uh, I, I mean, if, if you're anything like me, you know, you have some, some distance, you have some, some things that trouble you when you consider yourself. Uh, I, you think to yourself, you know, I'm, I, I believe these things about God, yet I have, I have disdain for this person in my heart or this group of people. This is not good. This is not congruent. God had mercy on me and the depth of my sin forgave me, but I'm holding unforgiveness towards this other person. Um, I look down on this person uh, for, for, for being needy and needing this or that thing. Um, but God looked down on me when I was needy and he gave me what I needed. And so, you know, the blessing of the Beatitudes is, you know, it's a humble way of looking at life. It's a dependent way of looking at relationship with God. But it's a happy way because your, your, your thoughts about God match up with the, your thoughts about others and how you treat them because of your, you're reflecting how God's been merciful to you and loving to you. And what you do, what you say, line up. And that's just a happy place to be being congruent, being someone who is what they appear to be, being authentic, being, that's what kind of the words pure in heart mean, being, being um, undivided in, in our person and fully what you see is what you get. That's what God's looking for. I actually think that the eyes of the Lord look down on the earth to see whose hearts are fully his and he, he wants to see people that are reflecting the mercy and love that Jesus has given and whose lives kind of match up. So again, these, these are, these are marks of, 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 of that you are coming to a maturity of, of all these things lining up. What you believe about God matches how you think about and treat other people matches how you, how you act in the world. And it's all kind of harmonious and it's easy. And I think when you're in this mindset also, it's easy to pray to God and ask him for things because you know that your heart's in the right place. Like I'm, I'm asking God for this because I, I sincerely desire him above all things. So these are, these are marks of, of, of excuse me, mature Christianity, marks and blessings. Happy are you when you're at peace because you are actually living, saying, doing this stuff. And, and uh, that's, a, that's a cool thing. Uh, as we're getting into these, another another observation I wanted to make about them is, is one leads to another. We so we kind of re- read these blessings sometimes as isolated statements. If you listen to them, they all sort of lead to one another. Blessed are the, the poor in spirit, it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, so, what characterizes someone who's who's poor in spirit? Well, it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is mourning because of our incongruencies because of our because of our sin and the darkness of the world that we have been a part of uh, but it says blessed are the meek you know being this person who's poor in spirit who's who's mourning uh leads to to meekness which leads to it is a hunger and thirst for righteousness to be to be right to be one with god which which leads to to blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy you become a merciful person uh, who is blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Who is who is one in mind and action, uh, not 
one person this place, one person that place. Um, you know, and these things lead to being peacemakers, people who build bridges and actually um, not only have peace with God themselves, but bring others to peace with God. This is all the fruits of humility. And they all sort of, one leads to the other, as we will see. So what I'd like to do as we read Jesus's kingdom, this is what characterizes my people. Um, I want to read this passage as a whole, and then I want to kind of go through and look at the original language about what these things mean and kind of see the progression <clears throat> through this teaching. Matthew 5, 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So the first, the first step of, uh, the first characteristic that Jesus looks at as he begins this progression uh, through the Beatitudes is blessed are the poor in spirit. And this is the person who looks at themselves with sober vision, with sober vision, who sees who God is, who sees who God is through Jesus. We'll say, um, look at the vision of Jesus and his mercy towards people who are suffering and people who are sinners. Um, look at Jesus crucified, forgiving those who crucified him. You know, look at Jesus forgiving the, the murderer on the cross next to him who didn't have a chance to repent, who just said to Jesus, forgive me, and Jesus forgave him before he could do anything that would merit um, forgiveness. Look at that Jesus. Look at who God is. Look at the love of God in Christ. And look at yourself. And the, poor, the person who is poor in spirit is the one who says, I have not reflected the great mercy and love of God. I am, there's an emptiness in me. There is a, a, a lack of, the, of, of who God is in my life. And they, they just feel, feel very poor. They feel, the, the original word means destitute of wealth, of influence, of position, of honor. It's, it's like, wow, you know, I really fall short of the love of God, even though I have received it for myself. And, uh, and the, poor, the person that's poor in spirit um, doesn't stop there and wallow in this feeling of, of being the problem. They look at God, they look at themselves, they see the disparity, but then they call out to Jesus. They call out to God and they ask him for help. They ask him for for the true riches um, of a relationship with him and to transform them, to make them like Jesus. So the person who's poor in spirit, um, they're blessed. 
and they're blessed because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you realize your poverty and you see what you lack and then you cry out to God, you know, that person is happy. That person is blessed. They're in a good position. They're, they're humble to receive from Jesus. Poor in spirit. The poor, being a poor in spirit, the next, the next part says in verse uh, 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is really good news for people that suffer, people that are sinners, people that see how far they've fallen short of the love of God and the forgiveness of Jesus. They, they, they look inside, they look at God, they look at themselves, and they mourn. And the good news of, of God is that he comforts those who mourn their lack of spiritual riches. Um, think about Jesus. I mean, he, he certainly did not go along with uh, people that thought that they had it all together as far as the religious professionals, right, and Pharisees and such. Um, people that tried to trap him in his words, just tried to, that weren't really interested in actually coming to know him. But to those who were poor in spirit that came to Jesus, uh, just just humbled by life, humbled by by their own sin, uh, humbled by the, the sadness and the grief that they felt over just how things had fallen apart. Jesus comforted those people. He said, you know, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Be at peace. Um, and God comforts us as we realize our poverty. He holds us and he begins to to uh, work in our lives to give us the things that we that we need to be like Jesus. It all starts with seeing that we don't have it, <laughs> I think. That's very important. So blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who mourn, because theirs is the kingdom. And they're going to be comforted by God. These are the kind of people that God can really fill up and use in the world. Not those who are not in need of anything from him. Not those who think that they're so great. Who think that they're always on God's side and they always know exactly what's up. Those are the kind of people God can use. Those who are humble, poor in spirit, who mourn. The next blessing is that Lee goes from, from this, uh, this uh, poor in spirit, this mourning. It says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I think about uh, Moses, and he was described as one of the meekest men who ever lived. And he was someone who knew God face-to-face -face as, a, as a friend. Something about this idea of meekness, um, you know, following from being poor in spirit, from mourning, there's something about meekness that just attracts a very good, strong, quality relationship with God. And Moses had it, if you read Moses' story. Um, in, the, in the original language, meek, the idea is, is like harnessed power. So it doesn't mean that someone is powerless it doesn't mean is that someone is, is impotent in, in what they can do. It means they have a lot of power, but they self-harness that power. They, they surrender that power to God, and they become power under God's control. They become gentle. Um, they, have, they are very careful to use the power that they have uh, under, under control, not to dominate other people. Uh, but to let yourself be controlled by God. Um, another, way, another way that that word is translated is a mildness of disposition, a gentleness of spirit. This is meekness. And, and of course, I think the, the greatest example of meekness is Jesus himself, who I think I could say characterizes all these beatitudes. Uh, 
says in Philippians that Jesus, though he was God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. You ever read that before? This is the best translation of the Greek that we have in the new NIV Bible. Uh, It used to to say something different, but the better translation is, Jesus, even though he was God, equal to God, did not use that fact to his own advantage, but made himself nothing, taking on the nature of a servant, and then ultimately giving his life for sinners and sufferers on the cross. So this uh, this is God. This is Jesus. Jesus had all power. All authority and he didn't use that to his own advantage but he took all of his power and harnessed it to serve people who were suffering to serve sinners like you and me that's meekness um, Jesus was meek Moses was meek uh, God loves a meek man or woman who has the power but holds back and only exercises that power for the good of other people to lift them up to not using it to their own advantage. How's that look for you? That could, that looks like a million different things in any different context. You could live in this verse for for the next year. Just apply this to your life. What does it mean to be a meek husband or wife? What does it mean to be a meek parent? What does it mean to be a meek friend? What does it mean to be a meek employee, a meek citizen of a country? What does it mean? Well, it means that though you have power and you can, you have the right to do this and that thing, you harness it and you take your power and you use it to serve other people in love. You lift them up and you use your power, your social power, whatever, whatever power that you have to consider the needs of other people and then take care of those needs, even if they're not needs that you yourself have. This is a concept that is in short supply in the world in which we live. It looks like it looks like a million different things in a, in a million different contexts, but it's a, it's a powerful concept. What if we lived our lives like when we hear about a need of somebody in our community, of some, of, some, of some group of people, we took our social power, we laid it down, and used everything that we had to lift up these people <clears throat> who, who maybe have different interests than we have. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. So blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who mourn over their sin. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Somebody who is poor in spirit, who mourns, who is meek, and harnesses their power. Um, they hunger, the next part of the progression is they hunger and they thirst after righteousness. Um, this is to, to crave with the greatest hunger imaginable or to crave with the greatest thirst that you could that you've ever had, um, a, that, that you dri- that you're driven, that your appetite is for God's righteousness, um, and this is really something that characterizes a mature, 
growing disciple of Jesus. They, they're hunger, they hunger, they see their poverty, they see what God has to offer, they believe in God's love for them enough to hunger and thirst for more of him. And, and part of, you know, when we were singing these songs this morning, I couldn't help but think, uh, as we as we sing a song like "Build My Life," that's a song of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I want to build my life on Your love, God. Show me how to do that. Show me my blind spots. Help me to to grow and to crave after who You are and being like Jesus in this world. To control the power I have to to live in a meek way. Um, and this is uh, this is the definition of of integrity: to live in congruence with the truth of who Jesus is and looking at ourselves and understanding that we need something outside of ourselves, that we need to crave and thirst and hunger after God. It's powerful language. The next, and, and, and the promise is, for those that actually hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. That's the good news. It's like, blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. It's an appetite that God gives us. It's an appetite of humility and he promises to fill us. Um, I just think God loves worshipers like this who come to him every day saying, have mercy on me. Fill me. Help me. Uh, I want to be like Jesus in this world. I want to live out your kingdom and the values of your kingdom. To that person, Jesus will give the resources of heaven. The next step in this process, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. This is one that really is, if you don't understand it, it is defined through Jesus in the Lord's Prayer. It's defined in parables. The idea is very simple. God has been merciful to us, and so if we who have been given all this mercy, then turn around and are not merciful to another person who's made in God's image, then there's a problem. There's a big problem. And the, the Lord's Prayer says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's, a, it's almost a conditional thing saying, forgive people just the way that I forgive people, Jesus. Um, God is, God, if we look at ourselves and who we are, look at who God is, we, we become poor in spirit, we mourn, we become meek, we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we realize we have obtained a ton of mercy from God. He's given so much mercy and love to us. Let's be merciful with the expectation of God's ultimate mercy in our lives. Let's reflect mercy to other people. The world does not have a lot of mercy for anyone. Um, people are mercilessly pummeled in our world, and uh, we are to be people who do not condemn show mercy. Uh, and this is, this is supposed to be our kind of default way of living. The, the word for merciful can be translated as compassion, as pity. And again, the, the, the definition of mercy is best found in Jesus Christ. Uh, in Hebrews 2.17, it says, For this reason, Jesus had to be made like people, fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. You know, God became, God became in the form of Christ, as it came as a man, because of his mercy. He was motivated because to be a faithful and high priest uh, by his mercy, by his compassion, by his pity 
for us. And it says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. The next uh, step here says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This is about, you know, the, the, our, the, the heart is the center of our being. Everything we think, everything we, well, everything comes from in our lives. Um, and this idea of being pure in heart, it's this inward purity with God and an unmixed sincerity for other people. I liked reading that in one translation. To be completely sincere, to live your life in the open. In other words, it's that integrity thing. What you see on the outside is what you get. This person uh, is honestly seeking God, honestly loving other people, and it mat and everything matches. Their their thoughts about God match their thoughts about other people, match their thoughts about A, B, C, and D. Everything from your inner self to your outer self matches, and it purely is desiring uh, after God. There, there is, there is emotion there. There is thought there. There's your passions, your desires, your appetites, your affection. Um, that you are fully uh, desiring God, without the pollution of being double-minded. And this is just a happy person. Blessed is the person who really is a "what you see is what you get" kind of person. Who is a sincere person who's living out their life in the open. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Right in the corner, we have this next section that says, Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called children of God. And this is other people saying, Wow, oh, that's a child of God. A peacemaker. This is an action that Christians are supposed to be characterized by. And this is an action that comes... Uh, being a peacemaker comes after you've gone through this whole process of, of, of the Beatitudes, of, of um, being poor in spirit, mourning, um, meekness, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart. From that comes this peacemaker thing. You step out and you make peace between people. Now, first, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Next, we help other people find peace with God. We share with them about the possibility of peace with God. And then you become a person, you know, as you grow in your faith, that builds bridges to make peace between two parties. And you become a mediator. You become a, a, someone who comes alongside people, brings them together, and makes, makes every effort to make peace between other parties. And that's what... Uh, it says that the world will say that we are sons and daughters of God if we do this. So this is what Jesus did. God, this is what God did in Christ. He made peace with us. He was a, the ultimate peacemaker. And in response to that, we are to be supposed to be people that love peace and who strive to make peace between people. And uh, it requires a lot of meekness to be a peacemaker. Restraining your power, restraining your interests in order to Humble yourself and make peace between people. And there's probably no greater calling in life that we have as Christians than to love people in the world in, in this way, to, first of all, make peace with God ourselves through Jesus, bring that peace to other people, and then mediate that peace 
there's so much peace to be had through Jesus Christ that that uh, it just needs priests to apply that peace and bring people together. And I've really appreciated all the people that have functioned in my life in this way. And I strive to be a person that is a peacemaker that brings peace between parties. Uh, peace based on truth. Verse 10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, because of Jesus. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This persecution piece, I think it's very important that we don't separate it from the rest of the Beatitudes. What this is saying is, if you are someone who is poor in spirit, who has mourned over your sin and the sins of the world, who is meek, who has restrained their power, who has hungered and thirst for righteousness in all honesty, who has been merciful, who has been pure in heart, who has been the real deal, what you see is what you get, and been a peacemaker, and then you are persecuted for the sake of these things, it's okay because they persecuted the prophets before you like this. They persecuted and killed Jesus. The same thing is going to happen to you. But I think that the caveat here is that you have to be characterized by all the other stuff in the Beatitudes before you can claim religious persecution. Uh, persecution gets thrown around a lot, but it says persecution for Jesus' sake. Because you have lived in this way, um, you haven't done anything to merit this persecution, but it's just a byproduct of having followed Jesus with a pure heart. And so, persecuted for righteousness. Um, this, this is not something that is going to be unusual, but in, in, a, in, a, in a world system with different values than Jesus has, it's going to perhaps happen uh, as we live with integrity. So, persecution can happen. Um, it says in 2 Timothy 3, 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, persecutions, and sufferings. This is, uh, this is Paul talking to Timothy. He's saying, basically in that verse, you know all about how I've lived out the Beatitudes. You know, I've, I've taught, I've lived this way, and my purpose and faith, and I've had patience, love, and endurance. You know, you've heard all about it. And that says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted just as I have been. Um, though Paul lived out the ethos of Christ, of love, of forgiveness, of, of, uh, of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, uh, he was persecuted. And he says, everyone who wants to live a godly life, who wants to follow Jesus, is going to clash with the world system. And interestingly, you know, it doesn't just say, blessed are you, in verse 11, but it says, actually in verse 12, you should rejoice and be glad. As great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. If you are being persecuted truly for the sake of righteousness, for the sake of living the love and ethos and mercy uh, and grace and forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ, you're blessed. Um, you have nothing to be anxious about. You have nothing to worry about. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, this is just the way that it goes. The world crucifies the one who came to save it. The, the world has not recognized the light of Jesus, and they snuffed it out. And uh, that's how the world system and the powers of this world uh, treat uh, many times 
those who come in humility and meekness and love uh, in Jesus' name. So he says, rejoice and be glad because God sees it. Other people see it. The enemy sees it. Um, and great is your reward in heaven. If you live this ethos of the kingdom, you will be great in God's eyes. So the Beatitudes, you know, these are, these are the, the marks of maturity in Christ. And really they are all about humility, about looking at who we are, looking at who God is, and just crying out to him, I need more of you in my life. I need less of this stuff, this hatred, this unforgiveness. Um, I want to be a peacemaker. I want to join Jesus in his peacemaking work in this world. And I want to be a meek man or woman who, though I have all this power and, and social power and, you know, I can do all these different things, I choose to lay down my rights to serve the needs of other people, which are very different from my needs, in love and take on causes for the good of other people um, that don't even benefit me for the sake of the kingdom of God. Because God did that for us. In love, God took on our rebellion, our sin, um, and he became a perfect high priest who took all of that on himself and took care of it at the cross so that we could have peace with God. And in doing this, we reflect him. So this is the preface to the, to the Sermon on the Mount. This is the blessings. Happy are those who are congruent, who really, uh, what you see is what you get. Um, they will see God. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And God will never disdain or turn away from the person whose heart is truly his, um, who's really seeking after these things. So we're going to sing about the goodness of God. That's appropriate. Um, this last song, God, You Are So Good. Let's look at the goodness and beauty of who God is. And uh, let's, I, pr I pray that we would be a people that are characterized by these marks of Jesus. That we would be a meek people. We lift up all of these thoughts, all of these desires. We hunger and thirst after you. We pray that you would make us like you. In the midst of a world that's increasingly full of darkness, that we would shine like lights as we imitate Christ's humility and love. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we'll see you next week online and hope to talk to many of you sooner. But God bless. Thank you for your patience and for walking with me and walking with one another in love uh, through this time. And God bless you all.